We hear a lot today about uh, cancel culture, social justice warriors, um, you know, getting locked out of your, your Facebook account or your, your Twitter account or, or something like that if, if you say the wrong thing and, you know, of course, then, you know, losing your job, your family, your livelihood, your bank account and having to live in a cardboard box the rest of your life, et cetera. Right? That's what cancel culture tends to do. Um, and then other people say, well, you know, you, you can still say what you want, freedom of speech. No, no. Freedom of speech is so much under attack that you can't say what you want without fear of retribution or coercion. Ergo, there's not freedom of speech. You have to be incredibly careful with what you say, and, and all of you know that. Um, you know, whether that's your, your circle of friends, um, whether it's something you post, you know, on Facebook that, that may get back to your employer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the amount of coercion, not for true freedom, but for compliance is, is really pretty amazing. Now, this has been going on for, for many more years in Europe and, and certainly in Canada. And so it was only a matter of time until, uh, until it reached the United States. Um, gosh, there's so much I could say about that, but that's not really the point of the, the homily. Overall, I would say, stop being so darn sensitive. It's okay to be criticized. It's okay for people to disagree with you. Get over it. Just stop it. And if parents, if you're doing this to your kids, toughen them up. And kids, if you're not tough enough, toughen up a little. Holy cow, you're never going to make it. So, so there, we'll start off the homily that way. Now, why do I say this? Be oh, God, I mean. Look, not everybody clapped. So, <laughs> well, I think it's true. Like, come on, it's okay for us to disagree and still love each other. It doesn't mean we hate each other, and that's unfortunately the bill of goods were being sold. And the reason I make a point of that is because if Jesus said the things he said to this woman today, he would be canceled. He'd have his Twitter account suspended. He would. So the, okay, now remember, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Hated, hated. Like they would kill each other. The, the Samaritan area was right in between the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So they you know, there would be a lot of passing through. They wouldn't talk to each other. They wouldn't consort with each other because the Jews believed that the Samaritans had bastardized their faith, the faith that they had received. And there was this whole segment of them right in the middle of the promised land who had bastardized Judaism. They hated each other. And so for a rabbi to talk to a Samaritan woman, number one, a man alone talking to a woman at that day and age just wouldn't have happened. But this is why the woman, you know, he asks her for water. I mean, he's sitting right there. Why can't he get it himself? I don't know. But because that's what we'd say these days, you know, <laughs> get it yourself. But there she is. And, and so he says, hey, give me some water. And she's shocked that he's talking to her. Right. And the point is because of these cultural issues that existed. I mean, it, you know, I was trying to think, is it like Republicans or Democrats? And 
I think it's worse than that. I mean, as polarized as we can be politically in our country, it's, it's, it's kind of worse than that. It's kind of, well, I don't know. It depends on the family, I guess. Some of you probably still aren't talking. So maybe it's a little bit like that. Anyway, she's shocked. Why are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Conversation continues. And then, so that's surprising enough. And then he starts to sort of question her and this sort of thing. He says, well, go get your husband. Oh, I'm not married. Right. Yeah. You've had five and you're living with the guy. In other words, you're not living the way you ought to live. This is the first cancellation of Jesus, making her feel bad about her choices, which, of course, he isn't, you know, the goal is not to make her feel bad, but to demonstrate that he has this sort of omniscience or this power, and she right away recognizes that he's a prophet. How does this guy know all of this about my life? And, you know, he's not apologizing for it. He's just saying, this is, this is the truth. This is the truth of who you are. And then they start talking about faith. And even Jesus says, look, you're, you're, you're worshiping the wrong place. You're not even really worshiping the right God. Basically, your, your religion stinks too. Cancellation number two. I mean, these are things you just wouldn't say. But Jesus is saying, yeah, you know, and what is the reason why? Because, look, we have a God who believes in objective truth because he is objectively the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so when we really look at these scriptures and then we, we, you know, confront it with our societal sort of beliefs, this doesn't mean everybody, but... As a society, we we don't really believe in objective truth anymore. Everything is subjective. I can create my own truth about God, the world, myself, etc. And what happens in our culture then is when you have what's essentially nihilism, or nihilism, depending on how you want to pronounce it on your German, when you believe in nothing as a culture, then for people to come around and say, no, there are things that are objectively true, there's an incredible tension that exists. And a tension that exists that, that the secular culture, the more and more that it moves away from believing in an objective truth, namely God, and a, somebody who delivers truth that is objective, the more that the culture runs away from that, the more that there's going to be all kinds of tension. And the more that people are going to be formed in, you know, this meaninglessness of life. What does it mean to be a man or a woman anymore? You might say, well, Father, are you going to attack that, you know, gender politics? I will, but not today. (laughs) But from a philosophical standpoint, not from an individual standpoint. But I think no matter where you stand on the issue... There's no doubt that that reality or that philosophy, that perspective, brings about a crisis of meaning in the culture. So if everything is subjective and if everything is determined by the whim of the individual, then it makes sense that 
we're, we're going to have a really difficult time determining what's actually true. And those people who declare certain things are true are going to be the enemy of the culture because the culture can't stand for that. And so then we have a God who asserts truth. And so the more that the culture becomes secular, the more that it just necessarily will become an enemy of God, particularly Jesus Christ. It's just going to happen. It is happening. And so we have this God who who says certain things about marriage, about the human person, and about worship. He is the only true God. He is the only true God. He is the only real God. That's what we believe. Well, don't make the non-believers feel bad. I don't care about that. Are you saying you don't care about non-believers? No, I'm not saying that. I have atheist friends. I love them dearly. But they love me dearly too. But they don't. One of the reasons they love me is because they know I believe something. And they respect that. But we cannot back away from the truth that has been handed on to us by our God just to fit in, just to feel better about ourselves or about how we interact with society. Now, I am not so obtuse. I'm not saying that I'm not a little bit obtuse. I'm saying that I'm not so obtuse as to believe that everybody in this church or parish believes absolutely everything as it's specified in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. A lot of people, you know, just haven't read the book. But also, we live in this world that is full of conflict, right? And and we hear all these different voices, and, and that draws us into different sets of beliefs. Now, there's no doubt that it's my responsibility to hand on the Catholic faith faithfully. That's my job. Do you believe it? Yeah, I believe it. But I've worked really, really hard and studied long, long hours to get to that point. And I know that we have a parish that is truly diverse. And I think that we have a choice confronting the culture as it is and being people of the culture. We can be a parish that says, everybody has to fit into this box of belief. In other words, you know, if you you have any issue with the Catholic Church, you can't come here, you gotta go to a different church. Or if you're struggling through it, and you're just not sure, can't come in. Or on and on and on. Or we can be a church that seems to be okay with just the mess that our world is in. And so I say, well, what did Jesus do? So he confronts the woman. She's a Samaritan. She clearly does not believe yet what he is proclaiming to be true. She's not living the way that she's supposed to live, and she's not worshiping in the manner in which she's supposed to worship. So what are we told that Jesus did? He stayed there for a few more days and spent time with them. He didn't condemn them. He didn't say, get on the same page or 
I'm not going to talk to you. He didn't say, change it all right now. He basically said, I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. And so this is why I I think it's so important how both myself and we as a parish approach the mess that is our culture. And I think it's okay to say that it's a mess and it's confused and conflicted. We can either be a parish that sets itself completely apart and only lets the pure in, or we can be a, a church that says, we'll walk with each other. It's okay. As I, as I preach the, the word of God and as I, as I teach the Catholic faith, I, I will do that faithfully. I will do that as it is handed on because that's my responsibility to you. But at the same time, my concern is more about you. People are more important than ideas. You might say, well, isn't there a conflict? No, I don't think there's a conflict, but there's a tension. And so if you're a Catholic who's just not so sure about about the Eucharist and what we believe about the Eucharist, what should you do? Should you just get out and leave? Is that what Father John wants? No. I'd rather you stay. I'll fix it. <laughs> you know, or you're struggling with another component of the Catholic Church. Or maybe you're just, study, you're just struggling with being Catholic. Father, you, you know the conflicts, the issues we've had as a church? Yeah, I know. I know. I get it. And we just leave? Ultimately, the Lord wants to spend time with us. I mean, that's what's clear in the Gospels. He wants you. He wants me. He wants to be in our life. And I think that my primary role as a priest, as your priest, is to help foster that. And every single one of you is on a different path. Every single one of you is at sort of a different place in your, in your faith and your understanding and, and, and all the rest. But I am convinced that Jesus Christ has it figured out. You might be a mystery to yourself, but you're not a mystery to him. There's times that I'm a mystery to myself too. Why did you do that again, et cetera? Why are you the way you are? But I know that I'm not a mystery to God. This is the place all of us belong. This is the place all of us should feel welcome no matter where we are at in our faith journey, we can be here together, support one another, and be okay with it being messy because we're in the mess together. I think that's really what Jesus is getting at in the gospel today. Now, speaking of those who are a mess, our elect, So, so our elect, remember, two weeks ago, we, we declared them the elect. We elected them, and they were elected by the bishop, to, to be brought to the sacraments at Easter. All right, well, for three weeks consecutively, we celebrate what are called the scrutinies with the elect, just the unbaptized. And these are actually minor exorcisms, because we got to fix them. 
So they're minor exorcisms and blessings. They're powerful blessings. They're important blessings. And so that's what we're going to do at this time. So elective God, I now invite you with your sponsors to come forward uh, to, the f- to f- the foot of the sanctuary here.